You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter podcast hosted by me, New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro. And me, Taylor Shanklin, VP of Marketing at Pursuant. The Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today and how to overcome them. In each episode, we'll engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to help their vision become a reality. So in episode number one of the Nonprofit Chatter, we are going to dive into stewardship as a strategy. We joined today by Michelle Vargas, the Direct Response Director at Wounded Warrior Project, and Whitney Norman, Director of Client Solutions at Pursuant. Hey, Michelle and Whitney, thank you both so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have you both here, and we're extremely excited to talk to you about donor stewardship. How are you both doing? Absolutely. And thank you for having us. Yeah, great. We're excited to be here. Excellent. That's so great to hear. So let's get started. Let's kick off this party by discussing the benefits of donor stewardship. Can you talk about how donor stewardship can help nonprofits retain and upgrade donors and how that can be a cost savings down the line? Sure, I'm happy to kick Go ahead, Whitney. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm happy to kick this one off. Um, You know, in in my experience, when it comes to successful donor retention and gradually moving donors up that donor pyramid over time by upgrading their gifts, it really comes down to how we're creating really positive and meaningful experiences for those donors. And stewardship is so key to that process. So, you know, really thinking through how we first make those donors feel really appreciated for the gift that they've given and the time that they've put in and and how they're impacting our organization, but then even above and beyond that, making sure that they know the impact of that investment. So, you know, folks want to make a difference, and that's why they give, and it's up to us to be responsible stewards of those dollars and make sure that they understand how they're making that impact. you know, when we talk about cost savings, <laughs> I'm sure Michelle's nodding her head on the other side of the line when I say it is far more expensive to acquire a new donor than it is to build a deeper relationship with the donors that we already have um, and keep them engaged with our organization long term. When you think through the cost of identifying a potential constituent and then investing the dollars in direct response to reach them and try to acquire their names and contact information, and then hopefully convert them to the donor, that really requires a a lot more allocation of time and resources than you could be, you know, than it would if you were investing in stewardship strategies to just keep the folks that are already engaged with your mission because you already know if somebody is giving you a gift, one, you already have access to those individuals now. Two, they obviously have some affinity to your organization or your mission that inspired them to give in the first place. Um, And three, you have the ability now to reach out to them and identify what about your mission is meaningful to them and create really unique experiences for those folks to keep them around. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely important to think about how 
we make those folks feel special and feel close to the work that we're doing and, and quickly bond them to our mission to keep them involved. And, and that's where you're going to see long-term retention and upgrades of their gifts and also be able to keep down the cost of having to invest in acquiring new donors every single year. Absolutely agree with you. I was nodding my head the entire time and kind of <laughs> took the words right off of my paper. Um, you know, it's always quicker and cheaper and easier to convert a current donor to get that second or third or fourth gift, and then later on to be able to upgrade them to be a major donor or um, eventually leave you in their will as a, and get a bequest later on. So absolutely agree with everything. Definitely. Of course, it doesn't come without its challenges. And I think nonprofits can battle with time and commitment restraints to dedicate to full-on strategic stewardship planning. So can you offer some advice to these people who struggle with understanding the full value of having and implementing an in-depth donor stewardship plan? Sure. In my experience, having an in-depth donor stewardship plan trains the organization to know who their donors are and if you know who they are and what they want then you'll be able to be more strategic even in your acquisition efforts so much of what Whitney was even explaining in the previous um, question having this information is like knowing where all the fish are when you go out fishing you stop wasting mm -hmm. time in places where you know there's no reward so if you have successful donor stewardship you're also going to create positive word of mouth which creates a stronger brand because donors want to tell their circle of people about the organizations they support which creates opportunity for the organization to connect with those individuals and have them join the organization's mission as well yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I love the analogy of going fishing, too. It's so spot on. You know, we have, and I'm sure you all are familiar with the, the study that came out not too long ago, I want to say about a year ago, that showed that the number of charitable organizations has increased by 111% in the last decade. So essentially, those donor, those, those donor dollars have become diluted, and organizations have to work much harder to become the recipient of those donor dollars. Donors have a lot of choices when it comes to who they're going to support and how they're going to invest their charitable dollars. And to be the organization of choice, you have to make sure that you're really stewarding those gifts responsibly. Um, and so you know, when you ask that question of what is the value of having an implement, implementing a stewardship plan, it really comes down to being the organization of choice for that donor and making sure that you're keeping them around. Because if you're not really providing that, that donor experience that is unique and special and invites them conti to continue to be involved, they can get that from another organization. Um, I also think it's really important too, and, and to, to Michelle's point, when you're creating a stewardship plan, it is important to meet your donor's expectations so that that word of mouth and that experience that they're sharing with their friends and colleagues and peers is really positive and, and encourages them to be involved as well. Um, but I also think it's important that you consider how you're leveraging the resources available to your organization. So that stewardship plan only has to be as robust as your organization needs it to be while still meeting that donor need. So you can look at resources that are already available to your organization in creating that plan, like how do you activate your board to make thank you calls? Um, can volunteers make thank you cards for, the, for your calendar year end? Um, maybe you have a mission family that records a thank you message on you know, Facebook Live, which is sort of a, a free resource, and post it on your social media thanking all the donors who gave their first gift that month. So in thinking through kind of 
that in-depth donor stewardship plan that Ben is asking about, I think there are opportunities to leverage resources that are already there um, and then really structure kind of a cadence in which those are, are shared with the donors so that you're, you're continuing to engage them over time. Completely agree. And the only thing I would potentially add is for sometimes it's easy for fundraisers to get into that business mindset, but really put yourself in the individual mindset and how you would want to be talked to if you gave $500 or $50 Mm -hmm. or whatever the amount is. And then once you're in that mindset, you're more likely to be thinking and, and meeting your donors and satisfying them. Yep. Right. Many nonprofits can be overwhelmed by thinking about a full strategic plan. Start to finish. But I think we can help lessen that burden by offering some fundamentals about a donor stewardship strategy. So can you offer a five-point system for our listeners? Sure. Um, I don't mind going first. Is that all right with you, Whitney? Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. Um, so for me, it's a personalized and timing, timely thank you, much of what Whitney was just describing, but really making it personal um, and not so tax-focused, but making it personal to the donor um, so that the thank you is evoking an emotion in a positive way, like making them feel that they did a really positive thing, um, and that will go a long way for the brand and getting them to continue supporting. Um, and then depending on the type of gift, I mean, obviously I am in a direct response world where there's always an ask. There's always a call to action, and this uh, may not work best if you're thinking a foundation or a major donor, but at least always having some opportunity even in a thank you letter for them to continue engaging with you and thinking through what that call to action is. Um, I would say, too, is your donor care, and it doesn't have to be a dedicated team of people. I know there's a lot of small nonprofits that are doing this kind of one-on-one, but having a documented process for how our donor interacts with the organization and making sure that this feedback is communicated to the marketing and fundraising team so that there's not a disconnect um, based on what feedback the donor is giving of a fundraiser versus a marketing professional in the data. Um, so if you're a small nonprofit and you're, each fundraiser is handling the individual stewardship, perhaps take steps to make sure that these fundraisers are talking to each other and providing a consistent donor experience so that um, the fundraisers are equipped with the information that they need to make them successful as well. Um, three would be the continued communication and informing donors the impact the organization is making and the ongoing need. So, uh, again, depending on the revenue channel, there are opportunities for soft or hard calls to action, and you can really think through the ratio of a campaign's focus on need and impact and how that should be tailored to the right audience. So in acquisition for direct response, you may have 80% of your package focused on need, 10% on impact, and 10% on just gratefulness, whereas a donor stewardship plan may vary, but in direct response, you would perhaps see a package more 50% need, 30% grateful, and 20% impact so that you're able to resolicit um, that additional gift. Um, And then defining success, because if you don't know what your key performance metrics are and you're not continuously refining them, you don't know what you're putting out there is working. Um, So really having and knowing what success looks like for you and your organization and then constantly uh, reviewing that. And then finally, number five, really none of this is scalable without the proper systems and reporting in place to take your organization to the next level. 
So I, I've been to many conferences where nonprofits come up and say, we put this out, we didn't expect this level of response, and now they don't know how to manage and maintain it because now they have over thousands of donors and they're doing it on spreadsheets. So really trying to think through. If you're doing one through four really successfully, then you're going to need a system. So you can start thinking through how that works for your organization. So I wish I could say that I had five completely different points, but <laughs> what Michelle said is so spot on and actually aligns exactly with the advice that I would have given. Um, overall, in, in my experience, donor stewardship comes down to two basic fundamentals, which I think Michelle outlined really well, and that's a bank and inform. The more that you can thank your donors and inform them of the impact, the more likely they are to give that second and third and long-lasting gift. Um, so I think the process that Michelle laid out allows an organization to do that really successfully and also to, to build the infrastructure in place to make sure that as your needs for more stewardship grow, you have those kind of rules and protocols and plans in place to facilitate that. And you know, I completely agree. There's oftentimes sm smaller organizations who don't have a, a huge staff or resources allocated to be able to do you know, a significant amount of, of extra work in terms of stewardship. But there are changes that we can make to our existing plans that are in place that can allow that to happen um, a little more naturally. One that Michelle mentioned was that initial sort of thanking acknowledgement letter. I can't tell you how many times I've received from an organization a follow-up email to my gift that was, you know, dear supporter, thank you for your gift. Attached is a, uh, a receipt for your tax-deductible donation. Did not leave me feeling super warm and fuzzy or really super excited about giving a follow-up gift. Um, so if you kind of think about how we can tweak those existing tax letters or those acknowledgement letters in a way that does feel more personal and a little more rewarding, um, you'll, you'll definitely see that as a natural stewardship tool. Um, I've, I remember receiving a letter last week from a gift that I gave, and it actually said, Dear Whitney, your gift of $50 helps ensure that kids like Kelsey have access to clean drinking water. And then there was a picture of this really cute little girl next to a well that had been developed in her country or in her community. Um, and that made me feel grateful. It made me feel like I had made impact right away. I could see the value of my gift. They knew my name and how much I had given, so it felt very personalized. Um, I also think it's really valuable to communicate with your donors through the channel in which they've communicated to you. So if a donor is sending a gift through the mail, I think it's important to follow up and send that thank you in the mail. If a donor is giving a gift online, we should send them a follow-up email thanking them for their gift. It, they're, they're kind of naturally letting you know how they prefer to be communicated with. And so I think it's, it's important to respond in that way. Um, and then, you know, I also agree when, when Michelle's talking about sort of that continued impact and need and how we convey that over time. We have seen, um, and, and countless amounts of research and study have, have proven that the leading cause of a donor leaving an organization or no longer supporting an organization was over-solicitation. So when our communication becomes ask after ask and then maybe a thank you and then another ask, that's where you really start to see donor fatigue and um, people eventually leave the organization. If we're making sure that our communication is more focused around impact and continued need and communicating what they've done and thanking them along the way, then when the time does come that there's a call to action or an actual monetary ask, we've spent the necessary time 
sort of cultivating that follow-up gift from the donor so that they'll be excited to support the next steps and see what we can accomplish with their future giving. So I think that's really important. I also think it's important to find ways to engage a donor throughout the year um, that is not around, uh, you know, around asking for anything that, that helps bond them to your mission and deepen their relationship to you and your team. Um, this can be done through events. I've seen lots of organizations have success doing like a quarterly event where they invite all of their first-time donors to come and meet the board. Obviously, that's not always realistic if you have an organization that is you know, national or global. Um, but for some organizations, sometimes that more personal, direct face-to-face -face contact can be a really warm touch. I also think it's really great to engage your board or, or local volunteer leaders anytime you can um, to help have what we call stewardship power hours, where you're hopping on the phone and calling and thanking donors. Um, one thing that makes those kind of experiences really valuable to your organization is that on those calls you can learn a lot about your donor, allowing you to create more meaningful and tailored experiences for them going forward. So if you're able to hop on the call with the donor to say thank you or your board is able to hop on a call to say thank you, ask that donor what inspired them to give. Ask them if there are areas of your mission that they are more closely drawn to if you have multiple areas of impact. Um, see how they prefer to be communicated with. How do they like to be acknowledged? Those kind of discovery questions allow us to create better experiences for those donors. And you know that in itself is good stewardship and is going to help you retain those donors long term. So um, you know, and then all I can do is just tip my hat to Michelle for saying reporting because that is my love language. <laughs> the better you can you know, sort of track and report on how these things are working so that you continue to refine and improve upon the processes that you put in place, the, the better experience we're making for these donors and the more likely we are to, to keep them engaged with us. Yeah, Michelle, Whitney, it's really been an absolute pleasure. Um, I just want to highlight a couple of my, like, I was taking notes as y'all were talking, a couple of my favorite quotes that I wanted to call out real quick as we wrap this up. Um, Whitney, I loved it when you said, it really comes down to being the organization of choice for that donor. I think that's um, absolutely true in in the world that's that's changing and evolving with so many more options. So love that you called that out. And then Michelle, I really loved that you said, put yourself into the individual mindset and think about how you want to be talked to. So those were. Great, great points. Thank you so much for joining us today on the nonprofit chatter and sharing your insights and your expertise on donor stewardship. Well, that about wraps it up for today's episode. Taylor and I want to thank you for listening in on today's podcast. Michelle, Whitney, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today on the nonprofit chatter and sharing your insights and expertise on donor acquisition. On behalf of Nonprofit Pro and Pursuant, we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We'll link everything down below. All right, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you, guys.